For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Better late than not at all, we say good morning, universe. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live on all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show with Ezra Ginsburg, with Twinkle Toes himself, Dave Manouk. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next couple of hours talking about the Winnipeg Jets. We all know what the calendar says. We know what the standings say. We know who the opponent is tonight. It is a massive contest down in downtown Winnipeg between the Jets and the Nashville Predators. When the post-game show starts in about 12 hours' time, the Jets may or may not be in a playoff spot, and then the collapse heard around the NHL may or may not be complete. Good morning to you both, gentlemen. Nice to see you. It's a holiday weekend for all sorts of different religions, whatever you're celebrating, who you know, we do wish that you're doing it safely and happily with friends and family. Good to see you both. Happy long weekend, everybody. Yeah, we've got the comment up there from Stu. It's the new biggest game of the year, right? The last game against the Flames was a big game. But yeah, this is going to be fun tonight, guys, because I mean, the winner of this game is obviously going to have a huge advantage. The Jets or, or Predators won't clinch a playoff spot obviously, Dave, but I mean, this is this is as must win as it gets, right? The Jets are going to go a long way in securing a playoff berth if they're able to beat the Predators. And, you know, it's it's pretty, I think, uh, interesting that, you know, it's the Jets and Predators because back in 2018, of course, that was the yeah. big battle in the second round. Now they're just battling for that last wildcard spot as opposed to, you know, that year when I think the Predators had 117 points and, and won the President's Trophy. So this is what you like, right? Like, I think Jets fans would have liked if the team clinched a playoff spot a couple of weeks ago, but uh, it's going to be a fun game. It should be an, an amazing one. The Flames game was pretty good up until the third period. The third period was a bit of a snoozer, but uh, you know, that's what you want to see. You want to have meaningful hockey at this time of the year, right? Well, it's funny that highlighting the comment from Kyle, must lose or must win or can't lose. It's both. It's it's <laughs> You've now entered the both uh, realm because at the, this point, it is that, and you know, I, I suspect it was like that for the Jets when they were playing the Flames. And as he makes a good point, every game, uh, you know, I I made that comment on uh, in the papers uh, today, and someone said, "Wasn't the last game the must-win game or the next biggest game of the year?" And or the biggest game of the year, I said, "Well, this is the now the next biggest game of the year." So it, it is a problem for this Jets club that they they you know have shot themselves in the foot. You know, we've seen articles that have said called this a historic collapse. So the Jets are going to try and do whatever they can. And, and they're calm, cool, and collected outwardly. You know, you heard the media availabilities with uh, head coach Rick Bonus and Blake Wheeler and uh, who else spoke yesterday? I don't remember. Josh Morrissey, maybe. But anyways, it's on illegalcurve.com, so I should know. Yeah, but the fact is... Say, if you don't know, who the hell does know? Uh, it wasn't Josh Morrissey. I think he spoke the day before. But anyways, the point I'm trying to make is that they everybody is saying the right things. But words are cheap. And it is what actions uh, say, you know, that mean a whole hell of a lot more. And we will see if the Jets' actions match their words when they do battle with the Predators tonight. Well, you know, I was thinking about it in the lead up to this morning's show. And I was, you know, there's no, if the Jets win, there's no guarantee that they're going to, 
make it into the playoffs. It's mm-hmm. a good win. It's an important win. It's a huge win. But there's no guarantee given that they still have three games to play. But I can say with a fairly certain degree of confidence that if they lose in regulation and they fall out of a playoff spot, then they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, that to me is the until they once they fall out of the playoffs, if they fall out of the playoffs, I don't see them being able to scratch their way back into a playoff spot. I well, think they haven't I'm, been out of the playoff spot, right? That's right. All, they, they, all, they, they haven't fully long, right? collapsed. They haven't fully collapsed out of a playoff spot. But if that were to happen prior to the end of the regular season, and of course there's only four games left, I don't see them being able to find uh, something inside of them to then crawl back into that playoff spot. So, I mean, that's the stakes It's it, it, you know for tonight. And that's been the stakes for the last number of weeks where they've managed to go on this Im- Im- remarkable tailspin. I mean, it almost is remark- remarkably bad, of course, but remarkable nonetheless that they're at this point now where, you know, we saw it in that uh, CBC article that you're referencing, Dave. It was Bartley Kivas, our good friend, wrote that article saying that, you know, the Jets' chances of making the playoffs back when they were leading the Western Conference in January was something like 98%. And now we're right up at that 2% time where they're damn close to fulfilling the complete collapse that nobody thought would be possible. But here we are with four games to go and tonight in downtown Winnipeg being that important. The Jets still have the best chances of, of making the playoffs, but you're absolutely right. Like this is still, you know, a, a game in which you have to win. It's a must win game. Like let's just stop with the, with all the jokes. Right. And, and the reason why it's so big is because if the Jets win, the Jets need to win two games and Calgary has to lose a game and they make the playoffs. It's look at it like that. It's that simple because Calgary only has three games left. So if you just do the math, the most points they could get was six and the most points the Jets can get eight. So if the Jets are able to win today and win one more game and then Calgary loses, they get into the playoffs. So that's pretty simple math for you right there. That's how important this game is. They can go a long way in securing a playoff spot if they can win because they make it very difficult for the Flames and the Predators to get into the playoffs, right? So that's where that game in hand, Dave, comes in really handy for the Jets. Well, you know, it's the point you made uh, a little while ago, and I think it's one that's important, is the fact that because of the Jets' hold on the tiebreaker over Nashville and and uh, Calgary, mm-hmm. they essentially have an extra point. Yeah. And that's and that's one way of looking. And I, so, so once you made that that reference, I was like, hey, you know, that's a good way of looking at it because essentially even if a team is, you know, like Nashville, one point back, it's essentially they're two points back of Winnipeg in order to, you know, overtake them. And, and it really does come into a, a play given how tight – the standings are right now between these three teams. So, um, you know, the Jets, it, it's just, it, it is remarkable that it has come down to this and it is going to be a, uh, you know, look, folks are saying you can't, the Jets haven't been able to beat the teams they should have beaten. There's there's so many examples, right? But they got one point in eight out of Columbus and San Jose. Mm-hmm. Like that's, but, you know, folks in Calgary could look at the 14 games that they've lost in overtime or shootouts and say, well, if they win, if they win a third of those, they're in a playoff spot fairly comfortably. Right. So there's a lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas with these teams. And, and, you know, the po- time for the postmortem will be when the season ends and we look back uh, and say, well, you know, look at this, look at this. Right now, you just have to look ahead and you have to see what is, you know, the landscape is as he just laid out. And the Jets' landscape is still okay, but they have to do something with it. They still have to perform. And, you know, it's not that long removed where they handled Detroit and handled New Jersey and they had an okay game against Calgary. It wasn't as if they played like crap and Calgary dominated them the entirety of the game. 
they just couldn't get it done in that third period. Similarly, they can't afford to not have that. They can't afford to have that sort of thing happen today. And that's kind of the what everybody's watching for. Because, and you're right, Drew. Like winning today doesn't guarantee them a playoff spot, mm-hmm. but losing essentially does, right? It guarantees them out. Being well, you put yourself in a sit to Drew's point. What you're doing is if you lose today, especially in regulation, what you're doing is you're, you're not only taking it out of your hands and you're not quote unquote controlling your own destiny, but mm-hmm. you're in a situation where you possibly have to win your last three games. And that's right. why this win is so important, right? Like again, if everything, the best case scenario for Jets fans and the Jets obviously is you win today, Calgary loses. Then again, you only have to win one more game because just do the math, right? Calgary only has two more games. So if they're tied at 93 points, then the Jets have the tiebreaker, right? So you win today and you probably only have to win one more game of your last three, which is obviously a lot easier than having to beat San Jose, Colorado, uh, and Minnesota, right? And Colorado and Minnesota are still playing. All, all three of those teams can win the division, right? So all th- those teams are still competing for seeding in the playoff race, right? So those teams are not going to be, I mean, you might see some players being rested, um, but those aren't going to be easy games is, is what I'm saying. And obviously the game against the Sharks will be the easiest of the three, right? So it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And yes, you're right, Drew. I mean, you were in first place back in early January and, you know, you you shouldn't be at this point right now, but the Jets are at this point right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best they're going to do is get the second wild card spot because Seattle has separated themselves from the mm-hmm. second wild card spot, right? So you're going to play a really good team in the first round. But I mean, look at that's that's what you got to do. You can't even think about San Jose or or those other teams. You got to just take care of business tonight at home. Well, and, and you know, from the Jets' perspective, you know, this is a team that, as of late, has struck me as as being sort of nervous in trying to step up and meet the moment. And we'll talk about that uh, throughout the course of today's show. But we now go to downtown Winnipeg, where our good friend from the Winnipeg Free Press, Mike McIntyre, joins us live from Morning Skate, an optional Morning Skate, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mr. McIntyre. Have the players begun to filter onto the ice just yet, or are you uh, still uh, being able to enjoy some coffee without having to put on your your eagle eye vision? Well, I've got my coffee. Right on. Uh, And right now I am watching David Riddick and Wade Flaherty shoot pucks around the ice. They're the only ones out (laughs) here. They're the only ones out here so far. Uh, Based on the number of water bottles that are on uh, on the bench here, it looks like there could be a decent turnout for this morning skate. Uh, they had an optional the other day as well, optional practice on Thursday, and that was just the healthy scratches. So we'll see we'll see who comes out today. Um, you'd like to think, given the magnitude of the game, that uh, it might be all hands on deck. But they did get in a skate uh, a skate yesterday, and you know at this at this time of the year. Yeah. Guys are kind of in their routines and I guess whatever it takes to get ready, right? Well, Mike, we were talking about it to start the show. And I mean, it's remarkable that we're now at this point where a loss tonight on home ice against the Nashville Predators doesn't necessarily, doesn't mathematically eliminate the Winnipeg Jets. But as I was saying to Dave and Ezzy, if once they fall out of a playoff spot, if they fall out of a playoff spot, if they complete the collapse, it's hard to envision them then climbing their way back into a playoff spot. It's hard to imagine that, you know, where we're, we were at from the middle of January to now and the collapse that this team is, 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 has sustained. It really is. And, you know, when you, if it gets to that point uh, among the, the, the games that you would put on this team's tombstone would be 
obviously, if they were to lose tonight, the loss the other night against the Calgary Flames, and then those two losses uh, to the San Jose Sharks in the last few weeks, uh, I mean, those have just been games that they simply couldn't afford to lose, and they have. Uh, so they get another one tonight. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, I'll say it, I know we've talked about other games as being must-wins, and that was more... Um, you know, hyperbole a little bit. They were really, yeah. T- tonight is a must-win. It really is. Um, Mike, I feel like there needs to be something like similar to a Richter scale. Like there needs to be like a McIntyre scale where like <laughs> you rate it in terms of the importance. Like this is a seven point nine on the McIntyre scale. Yeah, this uh, this is an earth shaker. That's for sure. Um, because a couple things, they would lose control of their own destiny. By the way, guys, that that yeah. term gets trotted. Can you really control? Is it destiny predetermined? Yes. Uh-huh. You can't. Nobody can control their no. destiny. No. no. I try. I try when uh, to see her every now and then, and she doesn't have want anything to do with me. <laughs> uh, but I, I hear. I mean, everybody says that expression, but I, I don't think you can really. I don't think you have any control over it. You can control. I guess you could control your fate, or I don't know. Is fate the same as destiny? Um semantics i guess but uh let's let's put it this way they can control they can control um their playoff futures their playoff future exactly because a win tonight and you know then there's a scenario believe it or not if they win tonight there's a scenario that could see them clinch on monday Mm -hmm. um where a win and a calgary loss either monday or later tonight would do it now uh, a Jets loss, though, and all of a sudden now you need help, and you also need to help yourself. And if the Jets were to lose tonight, I mean, forget about getting help from others. They're not even helping their own cause, which mm-hmm. would make me think they're kind of a lost cause. I'm with you, Drew. I, I think if and when they slip out of a spot, I, I've seen nothing that would give me any faith that they would somehow seize it back in the last few days of the regular season. So. Uh, yeah, it's a huge game. Um, you know, on paper, it should be a mismatch. But teams have been saying that for a few weeks against the Predators. Every every time they take the ice, it looks like a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And what's happened lately? Oh, they've beaten the Boston Bruins. They've beaten the Vegas Golden Knights. And the other night, they shut out the Carolina Hurricanes. It's not like they're beating up on, on uh, lightweights. Mm-hmm. They're playing some tremendous hockey, and it all starts... You know, clearly with their goaltender, who uh, we've seen the Jets get goalied a lot this year. And there's a goalie tonight who has every um, every capability of goaling you on any given night. And Mike, we got to stick with the the Predators, obviously, because that's the new must win game of the year. And I agree with you. Like, let's just call it must win. Let's let's get rid of this must win, can't lose stuff. But and I and I agree with you, like what they are doing is so impressive, not only because they were big sellers, as you know, at the deadline, including Nino Niederreiter coming to Winnipeg. But, you know, you would look at a lot of people that haven't been following what the Predators have been doing would look at them and they say, well, yeah, they've still got Ryan Johansson and, and Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg. All of these guys are out of the lineup right now. And, oh, by the way, Roman Yossi is not playing tonight. So no Yossi, no Forsberg, no Johansson, Johansson, no Duchesne. It's unbelievable. It's, you know, Cody Glass and Luke Evangelista, Tommy Novak. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure, you've got some talent, and, and UC Soros deserves a lot of credit for it, Mike, but all of the Predators' top players have either been traded or are injured. It's really remarkable what they're doing. 
Well, and it, it, in a way, albeit on a bigger scale, it, it takes us back to earlier in the season with these very Jets when they had seven regulars out of the lineup and they were playing their best hockey of the year. And, you know, I think what it does is it reinforces something that anybody who follows this sport has known for some time, which is you're usually, you know, a good team is greater than the sum of its parts. And if you, if you get some momentum on your side, if you get some confidence and if you have a a good structure and a good system, um, you can overcome a lack of talent. I mean, there's such a fine line between, you know, uh, a, a top AHL player and uh, an average NHL player. And Dave, who watches the AHL more than anybody, would realize that. I mean, I know a lot of people like to dump on the AHL. There are a bunch of players in that league right now who could step in and, if given the opportunity, would make a big impact. And a guy like Tommy Novak who I believe started the year in the AHL and was like a point of game player. Now he's coming up here and, and, you know, producing night in and night out. Um, You know, clearly they, they are playing to their strengths and they are masking their weaknesses. And it really is impressive. Uh, They are kind of, I think Ken Weeb the other day called them the little engine that could, which I, I like (laughs) that, that way of putting it. Ironically, Um, that's what I call Ken also. So that's weird. (laughs) Very good. Um, you know, and, and maybe this is the, uh, maybe it's the Barry Trotz effect already. I know he's not officially in the role as GM, uh, but it, it almost feels like this Predators team, they're getting the most out of what they have, which has kind of been Barry Trotz's trademark, right? That That's what he's done in his career. And I'm sure, you know, for Jets fans who had hoped that Barry Trotz might have been the, the, the head coach of this year's team, Boy, that, what a story it would be if the Predators come in here tonight now <laughs> with Barry Trotz as the GM in waiting and kind of put a nail in, in the Jets' playoff coffin. I believe that's called salt in the wound. Mike yes. McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press is our guest on this Saturday morning. He's live at Canada Life Center for the morning skate between the Jets and the Predators. Later tonight, after this epic battle, it is the Illegal Curve post-game show back here on our YouTube channel. And I'm sure Mike has got a column and a gamer that will be available online on the Winnipeg Free Press website as well. Mike, by the way, the- it's, uh, we're we're now into the healthy scratches that are making their way out here. So maybe this is going to be sparsely attended. I see uh, uh, Axel Janssen Fialbi's out here now. Um, looks like Carson Kuhlman's down at the other end. So I haven't seen any regulars out here yet. We still got a few minutes till it officially starts, but this could be a sparsely attended morning skate. They said, you know, what, let's put the water bottles out and confuse McIntyre, and then we're going to just have nobody show up on the ice. Well, maybe these guys, maybe these few guys out here are just really, really thirsty. I mean, (laughs) it happens. They want to be hydrated. You know, Mike, one of the things that we've we've been paying attention to and one of the biggest uh, talking points, I guess, of the last few games has been the move of Mark Shifley to to wing. You know, Elliot Friedman yesterday on the 30 Thoughts podcast was talking about how both uh, uh, Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted to play with Kyle Connor. No mention that they wanted to play together, but that they wanted to play with Kyle Connor on the wing. So what have, what have you been your thoughts overall on that line and also the move of Mark Shifley to the wing? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you want to play with Kyle Connor? Uh, certainly if you're getting the Kyle Connor of last season, he scored 47 goals and, you know, he's, he's obviously a, a, a big offensive weapon. Um, 
I've liked it and not so much because of what it's done for Shifley, Dubois and Connor, who I think still have a few more gears they could get to. And a, a game the other night would be a prime example. You know, it, I know Connor got the, the power play goal early, but you know, five on five, not that there was a whole lot of five on five in that game. Um, but you would have liked to maybe see a little bit more from that line. But what I do like is what it's done with the rest of the lineup for sure. I think we're seeing some really nice chemistry between Vlad Nemestikov, Nikolai Ehlers, and Blake Wheeler's kind of fit in there nicely. And, you know, guys, what it's done maybe in a way is open some eyes here to Nemestikov. And I know he's not signed beyond this season. He's a pending UFA. Everything I've seen about him would would make me think the Jets would be foolish to not pursue, you know, an extension. This is a guy who's moved around to a bunch of teams. I'm sure he's looking for some stability. And he does so many, so many little things well. And he's kind of that Swiss army knife, right? He's like what Matthew Perot used to be, that he could play up and down the lineup. He could play center wing. He's kind of like what Andrew Kopp was at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Jets... They could use guys like that. And so Nemestikov, I think, has stepped in and done a nice job as that second-line center. And then to, to move a guy like Nino Niederreiter down, I mean, I've really liked, I think at this point, whoever's playing with Adam Lowry, and I mean, that that is typically the the engine on the Jets. And, and Niederreiter, though, adds some extra scoring touch there. And it's pushed a guy like Morgan Barron, who I really like what he's done lately. I mean, he's now on the fourth line, which now feels like the fourth line is a little bit more dangerous. So in a way, moving Shifley to the wing, I think, has really balanced this lineup out. And certainly the two big wins last weekend where they pumped in a dozen goals, everything was going well, right? So last game, they only get the one. There's not a whole lot of five-on-five plays, so I don't know how much we can judge based on that. But we'll see if they can get back tonight against a very stingy t- opponent um, to to utilizing the balance that they have on those four lines and, and maybe getting some goals. You know, Mike, uh, watching uh, the game against the Flames, what struck me in the third period is the Jets, to me, looked like a tentative team, a team that was playing afraid to lose hockey rather than winning hockey. How do they How do they sort of not let the moment get the best of them? Everyone knows about the collapse. Everyone knows where they were and where they are currently are. Yeah. In that room, how do they sort of compartmentalize all that and put out, you know, the old cliche, but with a full, complete 60-minute effort, there's no reason why they should lose to the Nashville Predators, strictly looking at the talent that each team is putting forth on the ice. So how does this team sort of overcome the demons, let's say, and and, and give that effort tonight? Well, and that's where you lean on your veteran core that has been here for so long. Mm-hmm. has been through a lot of battles. They've got a lot of guys still in the lineup tonight that, you know, went into Nashville in game seven in 2018 mm-hmm. and and arguably the biggest win in franchise history. I don't know if there's even an argument. Has there been a bigger win? No. No. So, you know, Ehlers, Connor, Shifley, Wheeler, Morrissey, Hellebuck, those guys were all, were all there and they're here tonight. So that's, those are the guys that, you got to have to step up. Um, I mean, it's it's a collective effort for sure, but there has to be a sense of we've been here, we've been on a big stage before, and we've actually come up big on a big stage before. 
Now there's also body of work of times when they haven't, but you know, there's no excuses. They're rested. They should be motivated. Um, we, we all know, and the players talked the last two days at practice about they're aware of the situation. Everybody knows the contract status of certain players and the feeling that big changes might be coming, that this could be the last hurrah in a way. So, you know, if, if they ultimately come up short, they'll have no one to blame but themselves. And I, I dare say they'll have no excuses um, for it. You know, Mike, just continuing with that, and then, you know, it's an opportunity to plug your column today in the Winnipeg Free Press, just talking about, you know, the the attendance issues and, you know, the uncertainty with the Winnipeg Ice, even though, you know, they've moved on to the second round of the WHL playoffs. You know, we have absolutely no idea what's going on with the arena situation. I, 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 I'm sure you would know more than I, I do, but I probably... Uh, you can imagine that you would like to know more, uh, but uh, you know, with the attendance issues that the, that the Jets have had, you know, Moose attendance is down, even though the Moose are going to go to the playoffs. They haven't clinched yet, um, but they are going to be going to the playoffs most likely, Dave. I think the magic number is two or three, uh, three at this point. But you know, just tying this in, and I agree with you, you know, in terms of we don't know is Pierre Luc Dubois going to be back next year? Mark Shifley is he going to be back next year? Blake Wheeler. But I guess the question I wanted to ask you, Mike is how important is it for this organization to get in the, into the playoffs, not only, you know, to get that extra revenue, um, you know, that you're going to get with, with a playoff game or a couple of playoff games, sorry, I should say, but also considering that, you know, the Jets missed the playoffs last year and it's been, it's been a rough, you know, last few years in terms of, you know, the uncertainty with where this organization right. is going. So just how bad does this organization need to reward their, their fans and, you know, get this team into the playoffs? Well, they, they, it's, it's extremely important. And I think because of, of the hope that they built up earlier in the year, it'd be one thing if, if this was just a late season run that they were on where you'd say, okay, they, we weren't expecting this. It'd be nice if they could get in. It'd be kind of, you know, a cherry on the Sunday, but it wasn't really expected. This team was in first place in the Western Conference, whatever, a month and a half ago. This would be, as, as it's been reported out there, essentially the worst collapse in NHL history in terms of where a team was to, where, to not making the playoffs in the number of games that it would take. So it would be a historic collapse. And again, it would have come, unlike, say, the National Predators, where you could then blame a bunch of injuries and that you sold off. You, It's been with an otherwise healthy lineup. And I think... In some ways, perhaps it just underlines what should have already been known around here, which is that this is a flawed group. Um, there are long-standing, deep-rooted issues that are going to need significant overhauling. And I guess in that sense, regardless of whether they squeak in here in this final week or not, I don't think those issues are going away. And I think in a lot of ways, the Jets are going to have to change the way they look either by choice or by force um, because they may have no say in, in what happens with a number of key players. And let I me ask you, coach. let me ask you this, Mike, you talk about the, the organizational issues that are apparent to me, they're apparent to you, they're apparent to most people. Do you believe that they're apparent truly to the decision makers within this organization? I think they are now. And, and I think because they brought in a guy like Rick bonus, uh, a no holds barred, um, individual who, I mean, just 
guys, think of how many times Rick mm-hmm. Bonus, how blunt he's been with us, how candid he's been with us about issues he's seen with his group. I can guarantee you he's being even more candid behind closed doors with Kevin Shoveldayoff, Mark Chipman, Larry Simmons, you know, go to, go up the list. Um, so if the, if the thought here was, well, we just need a new coach and everything will, will change. Well, no, we've seen a lot of the same issues with selfish play, with a lack of motivation, um, with inconsistency. So, you know, those are issues that Paul Maurice had to deal with Dave Lowry in a much shorter window had to deal with and now Rick Bonus. So I think given that, it's been eye-opening, I, I suspect, for, for management and ownership. And, you know, this was, I guess, a, a fruitful exercise, regardless of how this season <laughs> plays out, to kind of come to that realization. By the way, I can now report there's close to a full Jets team uh, on the ice. So uh, it looks like it, attendance certainly picked up. Uh, Rick Bonin so that that bio steel will be drank, Mike. Yes, you don't have to worry exactly. about that. No, no bio steel will go to waste. So a- anything look on uh, the regular lineup that we were expecting, as far as you can tell, in terms of the jersey colors and everything, I would imagine. I mean, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. So if, if you're wrong, we won't hold it against you. Looks like Connor Hellebuck's playing center today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, can you describe Dylan Sandberg's stick tape job? <laughs> Dylan, yeah. I, I have to get my binoculars out here, guys. I'm sitting in the uh, in the. Yeah, he's at the other end. Yeah, we see where you are. Yeah, uh, but on the on the topic of Dylan Sandberg, how good has Dylan Sandberg been? I mean, every time I watch this guy play, I I, I do not understand why he ever came out of the lineup to begin with. Right. Um, and so if you're looking for silver linings, I think one silver lining certainly to this season and recently has been the play of a guy like Sandberg, who to me has solidified his place for now now and for the future. Yeah. Um, I realize there's still a log jam on the blue line, you know, but again, we'll see how this summer plays out. Um, you know, and, and, and as Dave would know, there's a lot of good defensemen in the Moose system uh, right now as well. Uh, you know, kind of a three-headed monster down there in, in Billy and Declan Chisholm and even Leon Gavanke, a guy who's, who's never even got a whiff yet at the NHL level. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the blue line situation plays out. And, you know, another development this year is Logan Stanley essentially fell completely out of favor in this lineup, you know, where he's now an afterthought. And part of that is his own play and inability to stay healthy. But a bigger part of that has been uh, the play of a guy like Dylan Sandberg. No question. Mike McIntyre, our guest, Saturday morning. We're live with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Mike down at Morning Skate at Canada Life Center as the Jets and the Preds will do battle. Will do battle. Easy for me to say later on tonight. You know, Mike, you, you kind of springboard into my next question, which really is about about that idea of opportunity for guys from the AHL because the Jets shot themselves in the foot because they had such a poor stumbling towards the end of this regular season. A, they don't get a chance to rest guys up who can obviously use a little bit of rest before the playoffs began. But the other thing they didn't do was allow guys to be recalled up to the, from the AHL to get into some games. You mentioned Leon Gavanke. He's never played an AHL game, an NHL game in his life. You know, Declan Chisholm has a high ankle sprain, so he's out till yeah. the, you know, maybe till the end of the regular season. But you have all these guys. Jeff Mallott played one game last year. You have guys that the Jets could have used, could have inserted. They could have done it throughout the course of the year. But, you know, Jansen Harkins, you know, he's put up 44 points with the Moose. You know, these guys, Dominic Tonato has been a contributor. They've had a lot of guys 
who you mentioned it when the Jets were doing well, they had all those guys who were hungry. They had those young guys. They had guys right. who didn't know, oh, I'm not supposed to be in the NHL. But isn't that another uh, kind of tale of this story? Because look, the only guy who's next year who's going to be waiver exempt of that group is, is Billy Hainola. As much as he probably hates his contract status, but he's still waiver exempt. The rest of them aren't. I mean, not that they, you know, Leon wasn't this year. He still right. was able to pass through, but you still, because he passed through, you could have used them. Oh, absolutely. It's It's been a head scratcher for sure, especially when you look at, at, you know, the struggles this team has had at times for secondary scoring, um, even the primary scoring that, that went, you know, ice cold for a while. And again, you look at a team like we're going to see here tonight, the national predators who had to tap into their farm. AKA the, a, AKA the Milwaukee admirals, Milwaukee admiral. Right. Yeah. And look, look what some of those guys did, you know, um, it, it, I'm sure there's frustration among players. Well, I know, Certain players are probably, you know, can't believe that they didn't get more of an opportunity this year, especially with how it's played out recently. And you know, almost vice versa, Dave, I, I don't know about you. I, I'm surprised that even at the trade deadline that the Jets themselves didn't paper a couple more guys down to the moose. 100%. Guys like Morgan, why, why weren't Morgan Barron and Dylan Sandberg just papered to the moose so that, you know, if, if we're in a scenario here in six days that the Jets season yeah. ends those two young guys could have kept playing Vetti too, and there was no cost to the team to do that. Uh, I, I, I don't understand it one bit. Uh, nope. I think the only guy that did get papered was Axel Janssen Fialbi, yeah. who, by the way, why hasn't he been sent down? He's, he's clearly, you know, the other day when they took um, Saku Manalainen out of the lineup, they put they Carson, put Carson Kuhlman. Kuhlman in. So yeah. he's not even the next guy up. Mm-hmm. And they also have David Gustafson, who's just sitting here. I, I, I don't know why they haven't sent Axel Janssen Fjellby He's like the 15th forward right now, right, Mike? Please help the moose out. It's He's just sitting here day after day after day. All he's doing is practicing. He could be playing meaningful games as well. Some really puzzling roster management. I mean, asset management. Guys like Kovacevic and Mikey Asimont, of course. Um, it's, it's just all added up to a really puzzling year. And I think, you know, a little more fuel on the fire of the idea that, that big changes are coming and they may go all the way to the very top, uh, you know, as, as high as the GM perhaps. Well, you know, last question for you, Mike, and then we'll let you get your full attention back onto the, onto uh, the morning skate. You know, we had Frank Saravelli on last week on the program and Frank was saying that, you Name know, drop as, there, eh, Mike? well, I'm just giving context Ginsburg is what I'm doing. I'm pretty sure that I, if I'm name dropping anyone, I'm name dropping Mike to Frank, not Frank to Mike. Come on. Yassi. I thought you were right. just pointing out how last week's show was so much better than this week's. No, no, not Absolutely at all. Not. Not, That's not show we've ever had, Mike. <laughs> but but anyways, what Frank said was that you know for in terms of the Jets and the rebuild is you know maybe just look at Connor Hellebuck. If Hellebuck indicates interest in re-signing here, yeah, doesn't that almost uh, maybe change the Jets' approach? Now, obviously, there's going to be moves because of the contract situation of sure. Dubois and Shifley and everybody else. But isn't maybe Hellebuck the linchpin to where this team goes after this season concludes? Oh, 100%. Because, you know, if, if Connor Hellebuck is sticking around long term, you're not you're not tearing this down to the foundation and starting over. It, it, it Then it's a retool. It's not a rebuild. 
right. if Connor Hellebuck is is out of here in another year and change, and it may be earlier than that, because if you're not signing him long term, if he if he's not if you know that he's not going to sign here long term, mm-hmm. you then obviously try to move him. You're not just going to let his contract run out and lose him for nothing. You're either moving him this summer or worst case at the trade deadline next year. Um, so for sure, I mean, he he's obviously losing Mark Shifley and or Pierre-Luc Dubois would leave a big hole up the middle of your lineup. But presumably you could try to fill those holes through the cap space that you now have available. Um but you, you don't have a goalie. You don't have a Connor Hellebuck in waiting here. As nice as you know the, the play at times of on the farm of Salmonen and Home has been, uh, Dave, you could probably attest to that. Neither of those guys is like knocking at the door to be an NHL starter. Well, Mike, I don't know. You're you're ignoring Dominic Divincentis and what he's doing in the well, OHL. So, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm but, kidding. He's years away. Years he away. He is. But they, but so maybe they have a guy a, a year or two away from being a year no or longer. two away. But yeah. they don't have. There's. It's not like the. It's not. They don't have a. Um. They don't like. They don't. They, they don't, don't have, have a like Spencer Knight. Levi, right in Buffalo. Yeah. Like there's not some hot young prize prospect that's here right now. So if you don't have Connor Hellebuck, um, you're probably at that point stripping down as much as you can and and seeing what you can get for all your key parts and trying to obviously rebuild as quickly as possible. So he is the linchpin for sure. Um, I, you know, I don't think there's been any talks with him at this point. Heck they, he hasn't, he's barely had time to come up for air since they're playing him every (laughs) single game. Um, But I'm sure those are conversations that, you know, once this season is over, if you're the jets, you want to get clarity ASAP on Connor Hellebuck, because that's going to be a big, determining factor on kind of where you go next. Mike McIntyre is with the Winnipeg Free Press. He joins us this morning live from Canada Life Center ahead of tonight's epic matchup between the Jets and the Predators. Mike Mike was the linchpin of that segment, let me tell you. (laughs) Indeed, and guys, I can report I'm not going anywhere. I am signed long-term to the illegal curve. Uh, Show the pay wasn't quite what I had hoped, but but I'm pretty – I'm loyal, so – you well, Mike, we were smart. We, we signed you to the Rick DiPietro contract, the, Bo- the oh, Bobby yeah. Bonilla contract. <laughs> yeah. Does that does that mean I'm getting every July first? I'll, That's I'll right. get a deposit. Okay, <laughs> you'll get a check for eighty two yeah. cents for the next thirty eight years every every July first. I get a thousand grams of salami, Mike. Well, yeah, one illegal curve sandwich, guys. That's all I asked for. Deal. We'll make it happen. We'll put right it on. on paper. Mike, thank you, buddy. We'll look forward to reading your work later on this evening and uh, in the free press and online. Thanks, Mike. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the game. There he goes. Mike McIntyre joining us live from Canada Life Center. Good friend of the program. Great segment to start this morning's show. Let's head to our first break when we come back. Much more on the Jets. Much more on the Jets and the Preds. Much more illegal curve. It's Saturday morning. We're live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. 
a strange question for you, but why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rolly's and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuka, Ezra Ginsburg with you on this Saturday morning. Reminder, the post-game show. I think there'll probably be something worth discussing tonight on the post-game show. Maybe a little bit of newsworthy topics. Whatever happens in tonight's Jets-Predators game, you know that it will all be discussed later on, right around 9 o'clock before that, probably 8.45 or so back here on the Illegal Curve post-game show with Dave M. and Ezra Ginsburg. And time will tell if I will be there or not. It is a to be determined from for yours truly. You sounded a little hoarse. I was going to bring that up, Drew. Do you have yeah. you're dealing with a little something? I hope you don't have strep. I, you know what? It's it's a sore throat that is worse first thing in the morning and gets gradually better throughout the day. And then again, when I go to bed, is when it acts up again. So I've been fighting it. You just for, need to have a couple bourbons. You'll be all right. Yeah, that's always a good sign. Uh, I took a nap during Super Mario Brothers, the movie, la- yesterday afternoon, and I thought I felt a little bit better after that. Uh, yes, I napped in the theater while my children uh, thoroughly enjoyed the film. But uh, is it true, uh, Drew, that you, dr- you dressed up as a, a Koopa Troopa? Uh, I don't what know. Was what it was it called? Was it called a Troopa Koopa or a Koopa Troopa? Remember Dave those guys? Me. The guys with the shells? You went to the movie. I, t- I took a nap. I just said that. <laughs> you know, I don't. There were a lot of kids dressed up in their favorite Mario or Luigi costume, which was quite adorable. But uh, no, I was. Uh, we're, getting, I was Drew, we're getting some helpful tips from the chat. Here's the first one. Stop talking. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Always. Now, Tico and Polly, all the way from Transcona. Bowser's the bad guy. We could have said that. Oh, I knew I knew Bowser. I mean, I didn't know what the hell of the random character you were talking about. Bailey, the official ter- intern, says it's a Koopa Troopa, so as he was right. Okay, good. Yeah, Koopa good. Troopa, they, Drew, were the guys that, like, uh, you know, with the – they were turtles. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, I think I know you who jump you're on them, about. and then you and you would jump on them, and then you could pick up shell. shell. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And I, I look. I, didn't I always like Mario Brothers Two, Dave. I know, like Mario Brothers Three was back in the day was really big, but Mario Brothers Two, remember it because it was like it was released, like it was kind of lesser known. Remember Mario Brothers Two? Yeah, oh, of course. No. Was it yeah. Mario Brothers Two just Super Mario Brothers, or was there an actual Mario Brothers Two before no, Super like, Mario yeah, Brothers? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Super Mario Brothers was the first one, and then Mario Brothers Two, and then Mario Brothers Three, and then Mario Brothers Three had a, you could warp, and there was remember there was the level. Well, you could fly every, also. Remember you, get, you got yeah, you, you got the little raccoon tail. Yeah, you could get the little flute that was you could warp into uh, <laughs> world number eight. Yeah. I, you guys played more video games than I. Oh, did the amount the amount of Super Mario Brothers three, and then obviously Blades of Steel and Legend of Zelda. I played and Double Dribble. Double Dribble was classic. Double Dribble, Double Dragon. Uh, remember California Games, where you could surf and skateboard and stuff. And also a shout out to another game that I used to play. Uh, I used to rent from Addy's Video on Academy. Was remember Paperboy, Dave? Yeah, yeah Paperboy was a that. good one. I like Paperboy. Yeah. Paperboy was good where you could throw newspapers at people. Yeah, and you had to avoid the Grim Reaper who was chasing you down the street. I mean, that was always very fun and, and friendly for, for young, impressionable children. Um, in any event, yes, I'm a little bit under the weather, but I'm powering through best I can uh, on this Saturday morning. Drink some salt water, Drew. I will. My voice is a little hoarse. I'm going to try and make it through. Back to the Jets and the Predators, though. Uh, look, this is another game where it's incumbent on the Jets, I think, to get the opening goal. Because mm -hmm. Nashville... We know how stingy they are. We know how good UC Soros is. I would even go as far to say that the Predators have the goaltending advantage, you know, over the Jets, largely because of the way their team plays team defense. Not necessarily mm -hmm. because Soros is better than Hellebuck, but just as a five-man unit, the Predators are more defensively responsible than the Jets are. But it's about work ethic in today's game and it's about getting an early goal from the Jets perspective and play the game at five on five which is what didn't happen on Wednesday against the Flames with all the special teams battles it was not a it was not the kind of game the Jets wanted to play you play five on five tonight against the Predators you should be in a good position because the talent disparity is so overwhelming between what the Jets are putting forth and what the Predators are putting forth, that said, of course, it's also incumbent on the Jets to match the effort level that the Predators, you know, are going to come with. Yeah. And, you know, look, the Jets could end up putting up, you know, five or six goals. But I agree with you, Drew. I wouldn't expect it. I would expect this to be a low scoring game. The Predators don't score a lot of goals. This is how they win. Right. Like we talked about it with Mike, you know, the shutout over the Carolina Hurricanes. I have to go back to what we were talking about. You know, my question, like it really is incredible, guys, when you think about the players that they traded, right, like Nino Niederreiter, Tanner Janot, Matthias Ekholm, Mikkel Granlin, like the list goes on and on and on. And then the other guys that are out of the lineup, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi's not going to be playing today. Uh, I think I'm missing somebody there. Um, did I mention Matt Duchesne is not going to be playing, right? Like, I don't know if you guys saw, by the way, that was really uh, tough to watch. He blocked a shot. It was Dante Fabro took the shot. It was in close. And I, I believe part of his finger came off or it, it became detached. I don't know if you guys saw that, I but didn't. the Google Matt Duchesne finger, it was, you know, really yeah. scary. So I think, he, I think I got enough of the gist. I don't think I need to Google it. I understand what finger coming off would be like. No, but, I'm not uh, saying that you should, you know, watch the replay or anything. I'm just saying you could read about it, whatever you would like. But yeah, with no Duchesne, no Forsberg, no Johansson, no Yossi, they keep winning, right? So it's really impressive. But mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, the Jets have an opportunity here 
to, you know, put the Predators pretty much out of it, right? Like if the Predators are, are three points back and, and the Jets have the tiebreaker with the Predators uh, as well, I believe, so Maybe, then yes. it would make it very difficult for the Predators. So this game really is, you know, forget the must-win thing. They just need to win this game, you know, if they want to put themselves in a good position to, to get into the playoffs. Because if they're not able to win here, it's going to be very difficult. And as we talked about, you'll probably have to win out to make the playoffs. Well, it's like you said, I think, earlier, or Dave, you said it, or Mike said it during his segment. You know, if the Jets, look, they, they lost on Wednesday and that wasn't a good loss, but they didn't play poorly for the most part. For two of the three periods, they played poorly in the third. But Jets wins tonight and Jets win on Monday against the Sharks. And those are the two games that are not just winnable, but they should be very winnable. Mm-hmm. despite your recent struggles against the the Sharks. You know, and depending on what Calgary does tonight against Vancouver, a Vancouver team that is, you know, you know Vancouver wants to upset Calgary. Uh, and you can't tell me you have much confidence in what Calgary team is going to show up because they've... And been, Vancouver's been playing better of late. Yeah, of course. You know, when, when there's no pressure on Vancouver and or when they have Thatcher Demko healthy and in net, they can play a pretty decent, uh, you know, they can play pretty decent. So depending on the Calgary result tonight and the Jets tonight and Monday, they could make Tuesday in Minnesota and Thursday in Colorado irrelevant. And that's desperately what the Jets want. The Jets would, I mean, they won't be happy about how they eventually sneak into the playoffs, but if they can get there, you know, at game 80, as opposed to game 82, well, you know, then that's a huge advantage. That's a huge development for them that they might even be able to get some rest being locked in the second wild card spot where some of the teams that are ahead of them might still actually be battling for playoff positioning. They might have to play their guys a little bit more than they would necessarily want to. Whereas the They absolutely team- will. They absolutely will. Because if you look at the standings right now, Colorado is in first place in the central division, right? And yeah. they're only, they're tied with Dallas and Minnesota has two less points and they've played yeah. one more game, right? So yeah. these games are absolutely going to be meaningful for both Colorado and Minnesota. And you're right, Drew. You mean you got to focus on these two games, make it easier on yourself and win these two games uh, as opposed to making it, you know, in a situation, Dave, where you have to beat, you know, Colorado or Minnesota or both to get in. Yeah. And Minnesota is dealing with some injuries. They're going to get Kirill Kaprizov back, but they, they lost, I think Oscar Sundqvist is and injured and they lost Joel someone Eric's, else. Eric's Joel Erickson Eck is out. Yeah. yeah so they, they, week. Yeah. So they've, they've had some big losses in Minnesota and, and yeah, look, and I think didn't one of the big guns in Colorado just went down with injury, I think. Again, I they, I, I'm pretty sure I just saw something yesterday that said one of the big three was out. I could be wrong, but it, like, like there was a recent injury. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, I thought there was an article suggesting that. Uh, just a quick update from uh, from Jets Morning Skate. No surprise, Connor Hellebuck, according to our buddy Ken Weeb, is going through the starting routine. But the more interesting development that I was going to bring up, again, I don't think it's going to impact the Jets, but Cole Perfetti came out at the end of the skate and uh, in a non-contact uniform, of course. And he's not expected back, but he at least he's light skating with the team. So that's a good sign for Jets fans. I know Jets fans were hoping he'd be back at a little dynamic play for this team down the stretch. But doesn't look like that's going to happen. But just to let people know that Cole Perfetti is skating and, and with the team and that sort of thing. In case you were unaware and curious as to what's happening with the 2021st rounder. But just jumping back into the talk about this game tonight and, and how important it is and how the Jets... You know what? People can say... Like it's, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I, you know, I document this every single day on the website, but it's, it's crazy to think about how you go from one day, the, the, it's the world is your oyster mm-hmm. and the next day the sky is falling and it's just, it's amazing. And this is the Jets own fault because they were in cruise control and had they just gone, you know, 10% more than the, what they did, they'd be in a playoff spot. We wouldn't be having this conversation, 
but they didn't. And as a result, yeah, you're now in a, in a scenario where every day you're bringing out the old uh, calculator and saying, okay, well, if this team loses this game and we win this game and that game, you know, you're, you've, you've done this to yourself. Now, as Ezzy says, and as they said in Back to the Future, you know, you are my density. I mean, destiny. Come on, folks. I wanted to drop that with Mike. I didn't get a chance, but uh, nobody, I can, always, can never not make a good Back to the Future reference. The Jets are still in control and they still have the opportunity to not be labeled a catastrophic team and the worst collapse in regular season history. And so today is the day, a, a historic day for the Jets, for, for the NHL story. First time all 32 teams are playing at once, mm. not at once, but in the same day. So we'll see what this Jets team is made of. And, and I know folks have said, well, this is what the Jets team uh, are. This is what they are. And that's fine. And I'm not suggesting they aren't this. And Rob, one of our one of our loyal readers, and 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 was on, sent me an email during uh, when Mike's segment on, and he said, although he said, although I'm not happy with Rob because he titled it "Hi Drew," even though he sent it to me. I like you, said, Rob. And he said, well, you, "Drew likes certain Robs. Rob Mahoney, different story, but Rob, like our, Rob, it's not Rob Mahoney though. It's but okay. this, I like this, all Robs. He Drew said, likes he Rob Lowe too. He actually, to his credit, said, I like Rob said Mike, too." Sent Mike an email calling the Jets in mid-January when they were top of the, the standings. Jets will be fighting for a wild card mid to late March. Be surprised if they make it. Too many teams coming hard, and this team will falter. So, congrats to Rob. We'll give you a little dap because you uh, correctly predicted well, this. We have Rob. to give a shout-out to my second cousin, uh, Matthew Libel, Rabbi Libel as well, because he famously went on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and he didn't really buy into what the Jets were doing. And he said that he thought that the Jets were going to fall as well. Right, Dave? So, I think there's another thing, you know, boys, to point out here to just continue the conversation. You know, Drew mentioned Connor Hellebuck with Mike. I think, you know, this game has a lot of implications for that as well because you have a back-to-back -back coming up, Dave, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, the, you know, the logic would be that you're going to see David Riddick in one of those games. No, you're not. Well, it depends what happens in this game, Drew. You're not seeing David. I mean, no, but the, what only he's saying, way, the only if, way if Calgary David loses, if Calgary loses. Yeah. And and the Jets win. I can understand what he's saying. If you can go in, well, you're not seeing David Riddick against San Jose. No, the next two games are Connor Hellebuck's 100. But yeah. I guess in theory, if the Jets clinch, they clinch on Monday, then, then yeah, obviously Riddick. you're playing Riddick. All, yeah, I'm, so saying, all saying. I'm saying is that if you win tonight, it puts less pressure on you to having to win the next game, and then you don't have to. You're not. For, you can play Hellebuck less going into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what anybody says here. I think you would rather him play three of the last four games than all yeah. four games. He's 100% right. Why would you want him to play the last four games? You would want him to get some He's rest. played 11 straight games. Like, you, you're, as he is 100% right, it's not even a question. Of course the Jets don't want Connor Hellebuck. I'm not saying, to Drew, that the, the Jets won't if they need to. What I'm saying is that yeah. if you can avoid playing oh, him sure. three and four days, I mean, the playoffs are going to start pretty soon, guys. Like, do you, I mean, you're, you've been riding Hellebuck, so I, I'm not saying that you don't continue to ride Hellebuck. All I'm saying, it, was, it would be nice if he could have a day off in the next week. It would be nice to give the entire if they're able to clinch a playoff spot. If the, if something happens and on Monday they affirm themselves and clinch a playoff spot, you're going to see them rest guys Tuesday and Thursday. You're going to see a very different Winnipeg Jets team because they'll be locked into that second wild card spot. You might see David Riddick on Tuesday and Thursday if those games are are meaningless in terms of the standings. I mean, because then you can give Connor Hellebuck a significant time. But until the Jets clinch a playoff spot and or are eliminated from playoff contention, then it's Connor Hellebuck all the way. 
I mean, you know, they're, 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 they don't have any other options. I mean, and that's part of the problem. They've made their life so much more difficult than it needed to be with this catastrophic collapse. And I mean, that is what we're talking about. You know, we, you know, it's historic and the team needs to decide the players themselves need to decide, you know, do they want it to be the headline of their season or do they want it to be a footnote? Because uh, you know what, it... I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, take a little bit of aim at this. Like, okay, how how long were the Jets in first place in the Central? Not very long. Well, they were one of the best teams in the Western Conference for a long time. No, but they were in second place. If you go back and and you look at how long the Jets were in first place in the Central, how long was it? A week? Two weeks? Well, but I mean, I think the point is, Ezzy, that there's never been a team. It's been that a big in... collapse. All I'm saying is that that this historic first place to missing the playoffs. All I'm saying is it's not like they were in first place in the division for a long time. That's all I'm saying. So I, to me, like it's pointing out the obvious. Everybody knows that. Like, has, has no one been watching this team the last three months? Like, I, I just don't know why that all of a sudden is being brought up. Um, it's It's been a long, slow collapse is what I'm saying. This is not something that's just happened in the last two or three weeks. No, but it's been able to, they've been, you know, the, it, it was quantified and it's now statistically, uh, the statistical evidence backing it up. I mean, look, they were in first place in the Western Conference. There's never been a team. It's not like they were in first place for the entirety of the, you know, uh, of the early part of the season. No one's saying that, but there's never been a team that was in first place in the conference as late in the regular season that then ended up. Oh, no, that's the right. Playoffs. That's right. I, I'm not disputing that. All I'm saying is like, I just don't really care about that stat i just don't because they weren't in first for that long it just i think exemplifies how significant this collapse has been dave it's been significant there's no doubt that it's been significant they've gone from a team that was basically a lock to make the playoffs to a team that is in danger of missing the playoffs i mean even back in early february when the slide was continuing to a point where you know we were getting nervous right you still thought okay the jets are going to turn it around here uh but you know that west coast swing didn't help where they lost two of three games and obviously you know, the loss against the Flames didn't help. So there's no doubt that this is this has been an epic collapse, Drew. And even if the Jets do squeeze in, do we think that they have a good shot at beating the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round? I don't. Look, no, I don't expect the Jets to be anything other than first-round fodder, by and large. Uh, you know, I know everyone says, well, you get in and you have Connor Hellebuck and stranger things that can have happened. And yes, I can, you know, hear that argument, but there's no evidence... It's not Connor Hellebuck. It's the goal scoring to me still, despite the six goal. Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's talk about goal scoring on the other side of the break. We'll go to break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the goal scoring. And, you know, because what happened on Wednesday was zero goals at five on five against the Calgary Flames team that no one is confusing for a defensive juggernaut. How do the Jets score tonight against the Predators team that is much stingier than the Calgary Flames were on Wednesday and the Jets struggled with? Much more to come. We're talking about the Jets and the Preds. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show is up next. Don't go anywhere. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up and comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at rumorscomedyclub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself. 
and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rolly's and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you on this Saturday, April the 8th, the final Saturday of the regular season. Time will tell. If it's the final Saturday of the Winnipeg Jets season, or if they do make it into the playoffs, we left off last segment, gentlemen, I was going to ask you about the five on five goal scoring. We know that it broke out in those two games against the, the Red Wings and the New Jersey Devils. Both of those teams play more of an open style, I would say, than tonight's opponent, the Nashville Predators. The Calgary Flames, who the Jets played on Wednesday, are not known as a defensive juggernaut, yet the Jets couldn't do anything at five on five, albeit it was a game that was a bit of a slog at five on five with not a lot of flow, penalty after penalty after penalty. So against Nashville tonight, how do the Jets get that all-important goal scoring, particularly at five on five, where they should be able to control the pace of play, as he? Yeah, and the good thing is, you know, the Jets' top six has probably looked better, maybe not so much against Calgary. I think, you know, you mentioned it, Drew. I mean, how good could the top six have been uh, when you don't have any goals at even strength, right? But I think, you know, what you've seen with Shifley moving to the wing is that, you know, the four lines are more balanced. I don't think they're perfect. Like, I, you know, I, I look at the, the four lines and I still don't love the fact that Morgan Barron's on the fourth line. I realize that with Vladislav Nemestikov uh, there, I mean, it, it I, like I guess, put it this way: if if I were the coach, I would probably flip Niederreiter and Nemesnikov. I like Niederreiter in the top six better than Nemesnikov, but we've talked about that, right? That's where Nemesnikov presents the problem, right? Like it's between the way I look at it, it's between Nemesnikov and Baron on the fourth line, right, Dave? Like, and and I think they like Nemesnikov because of, of his versatility, but just getting away from the the forward lines for a second here. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Why is Mason Appleton assured of a third line role? Well that well and again that's kind of what I'm saying here. Rick Bonus obviously loves to have Adam Lowry and Appleton 
on that third line. And that's where you see Niederreiter. And yes, I agree that Niederreiter, you know, makes the third line, gives them more offense. But the thing with Niederreiter, he's a guy that we know likes to have the puck, likes to shoot. And that's why I think, you know, he'd be better suited playing on either the, the top line or in this case, it would be the second line, right? Because you've got Dubois, Shifley, and Connor. That's the line. This is the key line, guys. You've got four games left. This is the line that has to produce. This is your super line, if you will, right? Like this is Rantanen, McKinnon, Landeskog. This is, mm-hmm. you know, Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak. This is, and I agree though, Ehlers, I, I would like to see, I'm, I'm with Dave, you know, in an ideal world for us, I guess, or for a lot of Jets fans, I think you would love to see, you know, Dubois, Connor, Ehlers. We've talked about how, you know, dominant that line has looked at times, including this year. But I think right now you're obviously going to continue to roll out Shifley, Dubois, and Connor, and you're going to continue to roll out Ehlers, Wheeler, and Nemesnikov. And to be honest with you, like I've liked what you've seen out of Nemesnikov, Wheeler, and Ehlers. Like you, you've got kind of a good mixture there of you know mm-hmm. speed, and you know you've got you know Ehlers and Wheeler can pass the puck. Nemesnikov, we've talked about jack of all trades. He's a guy you know that has a nose for the net as well. But that's really you know what it comes down to here, here guys. Like, yeah, Lowry, Appleton, and and Niederreiter, they can provide a little bit of offense, and that line's going to be big tonight. But I mean, it's the big boys that are going to have to get it done. It's Shifley, Dubois, and and Connor on that top line, and it's not going to be easy because Nashville plays a very stifling game. Like they're they're a team that's not going to give you a lot. You know, tight checking, good on the forecheck, even without Duchesne and and Forsberg and and Yossi. This is a very well-coached team, and I think John Hines deserves a lot of credit. You know, these guys are working hard, um, and there's not a lot of talent in the lineup, but there's opportunity. Dave M. always talks about opportunity. Well, you look at guys like Cody Glass, who's having a career year, or Phil Tomasino. Dave covers the moose more than anybody. He was with the Milwaukee Admirals. Tomasino's having a good rookie year. We talked about guys like Tommy Novak, Luke Evangelista. I mean, these are guys that were more AHL guys at the beginning of the year, but they've come up and, and they've produced, but... Yeah, there's no doubt, Drew, that, you know, the Jets have got to be better at at five on five and, you know, they've got to be more aggressive. And yes, you know, are you going to have to go to the net and, you know, cycle the puck and, you know, grind it down a little bit? Of course. Um, But, you know, these guys, this is it here. Four games left. If they're not able to produce, especially tonight, I mean, they're most likely not going to make the playoffs. But, you know, you got to see more production and more sustained offense tonight versus Nashville because you just didn't see it at five on five against Calgary. Well, and one of the things I want to jump off of from Ezzy's point was the fact that the Nashville Predators play a structure. And you could say it's boring. You could say it's it's not exciting. But they play within the framework of the game the coach has set. And they're not freelancing. And they're not trying to do too much. And, I, and like I said, I think that's one of the biggest problems for this Jets club is that sometimes you can tell that, you know, they get a little angsty. And they get a little excited, overly excited. And, you know, one of the things that Rick Bonus was asked about this week in his media availabilities was being able to put rein that in a little bit, you know, not let the horses get too far out of the gate uh, because, you know, it's kind of a parallel to the jet season. You know, you can burn off all your, your energy early and then not have anything for the stretch run, which is right now what the Jets are seeing as they stumble and bumble towards the finish line. But that's that's what you have to see. You have to see the Jets play a structured hockey game and a tight hockey game. And, and to be honest with you, there's probably no more important line than Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele, and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois because the fact of the matter is they have to play better defensively. And if they play, stick to the defensive structure, then they'll get opportunities offensively. It just happens that way. But you have to play. You can't fly the zone. I know that Rick Bonus says he's given them the green light, provided the D has uh, you know control of the puck. 
but you just have to be able to play a responsible hockey game. And, and look, it's, they're not sexy. You know, it's always a lot except more exciting when it's six, nothing and your fans are doing the wave. Well, the fans were doing the wave last night in the moose game. It was two one and the fans were doing the wave. So, so you, as long as you have a lead, it's fine. But the fact of the matter is that you need to play a boring, you have to do what the predators are doing because right now this game, not tight, not tight. You don't want to be like, like you said, Drew, afraid to lose the game. And we haven't seen, sometimes we see that. Every once in a while, you'll see that creep into the Jets game. We've seen that in third periods where it's like, well, you know, we'll look at each other and we're like, well, this is clearly a team that wants to just get to extra time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see that they don't have that. And, we, you know, for years, we never saw that with this team. For years, it was, for the years, it was more, oh, this team's down while well, they're going to come back. Or this team's ahead and they're going to put them out of the out of the game. Well, that, that team, this team is not those teams. And right now, they just need to play within a structure. And I think right now, the most important line, because you know what you're going to get from that second line. You know what you're going to get from the third. And you know what you're going to get from the fourth. So the question is, can the first line do it? Because I think that's going to be the most important question uh, after tonight's game. Obviously, the goaltending will be the biggest factor because I think Hellebuck and, and Soros, you know, have a great history of going up against each other and, you know, rising to the occasion. So I think it'll, I don't think this is going to be a high scoring affair by any stretch. I think, I think someone in the chat said it was probably going to be a two, one game, possibly three, one with an empty net goal. That would be my, you know, suspicion three, two, as well. Three, two was, was what it was back in Nashville on that Saturday afternoon would have been about a month ago, maybe not even that long ago. I mean, this is going to be, look, Nashville doesn't play an open style because they can't succeed in an open style. It's the question to me is can the Jets, it's not easy playing against a team like Nashville. They make it ugly. That's how they have to win is by making it ugly. You're not going to see Harlem Globetrotter-esque goals, uh, you know, beating the Nashville Predators. Well, it's perfect, Drew, because the Jets' slide from first place in the Central to the second wildcard spot has been ugly. Well, it certainly has been. So it's, you know, to me, is will the Jets adapt to their opponent? Will the, you know, because, again, talent-wise, the Jets are more talented. Effort-wise, well, that's certainly been called into question on more than one occasion this season. And the Jets have not done well against those teams who make it difficult to transition through the neutral zone. Think about Minnesota. Minnesota, to me, is the best example of a team that the Jets don't match up well against. And forget for a second, you know, the injuries and Joel Erickson and everything like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I agree with you, Drew. The Jets like to play an open style of pond hockey, if you will, right? Like against the Devils and against the Wings, back and forth. Think about the, uh, pardon me, the Edmonton game that the Jets won 7-5 or what was the game before that? I feel like it was 4-3 Edmonton or something like that. Like, the Jets have no problem and actually flourish in high scoring games, but you're right, Drew. I mean, this is a game in which I think, you know, the Lowry line is going to be very important because this is the type of game that they love to play, right? Like cycling the puck, physical game. And you know, in deep, this is going to be the, exactly. I mean, look, Nashville's going to line up three or four guys in their, you know, in their half of the ice and they're the Jets. They're going to ask the Jets to try Are you and pull out an analysis of the one, three, one right now. Drew? I'm, not, I like it. I'm not going to, but what Nashville's going to try to do you know, and, and the Jets can't play into their hands is the Nashville wants the Jets to try to have to make five passes to gain the zone. They want to make it so that the Jets have to try and deke or, or they want the Jets trying to go individually one on three, one on four to gain the zone. The Jets aren't going to be able to succeed that way. There just won't be enough room to skate. The sticks will be in the way. It's going to be one below the goal line. And that's where the Jets were really having a lot of success earlier in the year 
when they were winning games. They were putting the puck in deep, and I apologize for the cliche because just hearing it makes my ears want to bleed a little bit. But that's what they were doing. They were going and then winning puck battles. And this is a team, how many games as of late have the Jets really won puck battles in? Not a lot. But that's what you need to do against Nashville to be successful. You need to win puck battles because your forwards are better than your the, the Predators defensemen. And your and, and you know everything about your roster is better than what Nashville is putting up, unless you're gonna try an individual your way through to a victory. And that's where just the team effort and the team commitment has to be at a higher level than we've seen a lot from the Jets as of late. Yeah, can we just go back though to the importance of this game? You're absolutely you're right, Drew. Every, everything you said is absolutely right. This is going to be most likely. I mean, we don't know. I mean, there could be more goals than we expect, right, boys? But it's most likely going to be two one, three two, three one. I mean, I think put it this way: if the Jets end up beating the Predators five two, I think we're going to be really amazed because UC Soros rarely lets in more than three goals, right? Yeah. Like, just look at his save percentage. You know, over the last four or five games, I think he's had one kind of outlier there, but you're talking about 940, 950. I mean, obviously he was perfect in the last game against Carolina, right? So yeah, this is going to be a game in which, you know, you probably have to score some goals off of rebounds, off of, you know, cycling the puck from behind the net. And, you know, the Jets have shown the ability to do that at times, but we haven't seen it enough. And we talked about the Calgary game in terms of Dave not having like consecutive good shifts from the first and, and second line. And obviously, you know, the power play will have to come in handy here. Like you, you have to produce and the jets did produce earlier in the game, but then they had five other opportunities or four other opportunities in which they didn't produce. But I mean, really guys going back to the importance of this game, right? Like this, this is the the biggest one, right? Like obviously if you had beat the flames, then this game would have been a little bit easier and you had a little bit more of a, you know, a runway, so to speak, or as Dave likes to put it, you have a little bit more of a cushion, but if you're able to win tonight and then get some help from Vancouver, you really only have to win one more of your last three games to get in. So this one, as Drew said, you have to come out with the best effort of the season. And even though the game against Calgary was good, I agree. Like the first period was clearly won by the Jets. I thought the second period was fine. The third period, though, Calgary took advantage. They scored the two goals. And really, that's kind of you know what happens. Who wants it more? The Jets have got to want it more. And that is a cliche, but it's absolutely true. The Jets have been a playoff spot the whole year, Dave. And, you know, obviously they want to hang on to it. But this Predators team, with all of that star power out of the lineup, they're still finding ways to win. Well, which is why you never take anyone lightly. And and the fact of the matter is that people all the time say, oh, well, this is a free, you know, space on the bingo card. Well, the Calgary Flames learned the Chicago Blackhawks aren't wearing a free space on the bingo card. And the Jets have learned that when they faced San Jose or when they faced Columbus, which is was something we referenced earlier, and a number of other teams where, you, you know, folks are like, well, that's a, team you sh- a game you should win. Well, it doesn't work that way where it's an automatic. So, yeah, this is this is the biggest test of the season. And you're right, Ezzy, the Jets made the life way more difficult, but they've been doing that for months. It's not like this is a new phenomenon. You're like, wow, the Jets all of a sudden started making things difficult for themselves. No, as we've talked about, you know, basically since February, when the, when the slide really kind of began after the All-Star break, the Jets have made life difficult for themselves. And so, you know, you're not going to reset the narrative. Like, again, people have to understand there's a difference between being pragmatic and realistic about what this team is and how you address it in the summer than what's going to happen now in the remainder of this regular season and at a potential in the playoffs. Because you're not going to say, well, blow it up now. Like, there's, you still have games to play. You still have to figure it out. So I know folks are angry, and I understand your anger. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, 
uh, maligning it or I'm not diminishing it because you have a right. You know, you you have a right. You you watch this team. You support this team. You live and breathe with this team, which is good for us because you go to the website, you come on this show, <laughs> you, you join the chat. So we appreciate that. Throw down comments on our podcast. Do a lot of other things. You know, give us likes, that sort of thing. But anyways, the point is, I understand the anger. I'm just saying that, you know, from the reality perspective, you just have to focus on what's in front of you. And then when it comes time to discussing where this team should go, we'll do that. We'll do that when the play, when the regular season ends, if the Jets don't make the playoffs, believe me, we'll be doing that for months, or we may be talking about a playoffs round or two and then talking about that. So there's going to be plenty of time to have that discussion. But right now the focus for us and for everyone really is, is on this game tonight. And as Drew, you know, said, we shouldn't be using cliches and he's not wrong, but you can't focus on sharks on Monday or Minnesota the next night or Colorado two nights later. You need to focus on what's happening tonight with the Winnipeg Jets and the and the uh, National Predators. Well, I want to read this quote from Blake Wheeler. He it was it was said after yesterday's practice. Uh, you know, this is written by Joshua Frey um, uh, Sam. Sam. Thank you yep. of the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, the article it's available on illegalcurve.com. Precom grad. Yeah, there you go, Crecom grad, uh, like Ezra Ginsberg. So, you know, I'm sure there's a statue of you up at the Red River College campus, undoubtedly there, uh, Ezzy. Quote from Blake Wheeler, I think the team that gets away from their game first typically loses, he said. It's kind of a battle of game plans, and at one point, one team usually gets sick of that and steers off of it and tries to play a little bit differently. That's typically where they lose a game. And so what Blake Wheeler is talking about there is he's talking about the need to be disciplined with your game plan and to be disciplined with your game plan for all 60 minutes. That's something the Winnipeg Jets have not, does not come easily to the Jets. When the offense doesn't come quickly, they're a team that tends to press and change things up and maybe play a little bit of individual hockey rather than the team hockey that's necessary to beat the Predators. So it's, you know, the Jets know how their game needs to look tonight. Blake Wheeler just talked to you about it in that quote. It's a matter of can they do it for the entirety of the 60 minutes? Can they slay the evil person, the devil on their shoulder, that's saying go do it yourself rather than do it with your teammates? That I don't know about because so often we haven't seen them successfully do that, Ezzy. Yeah, and, and you know, you saw the Jets play a full game recently against the Devils, right? Like, yeah. that was a huge win for them. No and, you know, we talked about it. The Devils were, were still playing for positioning in the in Metropolitan Division. So it's not like, even though the Devils had clinched, I believe, before that game, or they were close to clinching, I, I want to say they had already clinched before they played the Jets, yeah, that, that game still had meaning, right? So that was a 60-minute effort. So you And, and we've mm -hmm. seen that before, right? <laughs> like, you know, we talked about, you know, how the Jets were an elite team after 35 or 40 games, and then they've fallen back into their bad habits. So you're absolutely right. And, you know, it, it's interesting to hear Blake Wheeler say that um, because we see that watching this team, right? And it is important, like, especially against a team that doesn't give up a lot of goals, you want to play with the lead. Like, ideally, you know, the Jets score on the power play, they score a couple goals, and, you know, they go into the first period with a 2 nothing lead. And that's going to make it obviously a lot easier. But you're right, Drew. If Nashville scores the first goal or they score a couple goals, mm -hmm. you know, you have to stick to what your game plan was. You can't change the game plan. You can't force anything. And that's what we've seen, you know, for a good chunk of the second half of the season is, you know, the Jets trying to be too cute, not converting on the power play, just not having a lot of sustained offense and the goal scoring drying up, right? So I think with Mark Shively moving to the wing, 
you know, with having Vladislav Nemestikov between Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ehlers and then Nino Niederreiter on the third line with Lowry and Appleton, we've seen, you know, more balanced scoring with this group. And it is going to have to be, you know, a 100% team effort if you want to really throw out the cliches. And Hellebuck will have to be solid because even though the Predators don't have as much talent as you talk about, and I agree with you, um, you know, when you're talking about Phil Tomasino and, you know, you're talking about guys like Cody Glass, these are first round picks. Yeah. And we talked about Glass is a guy that's, he's the number one center on this line right now. And yeah, you're not going to have to shut down, you know, it's not like you're going to have to shut down, you know, Jack Hughes and, you know, Timo Meyer. The, they don't have the firepower that a team like the Devils has. But this, this John Hines, I mean, if put it this way, if Nashville ends up squeaking into the playoffs, how does John Hines not win the Jack Adams award? Well, he doesn't win it because Bo- uh, the Boston's coach is going to win it. But, uh, you know, but yeah, but uh, he should be a finalist if he's able to drag this team into the into the uh, into the playoffs. I would agree with that. I would, comment. Give, it, I would give him the award. Fair enough. That you're perfectly entitled to that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's, all, it's for him to be able to do it what with the group he's done it with is significant. I mean, look, I'm not saying that Thank a monkey you. could a monkey could coach uh, Boston and get them a president's uh, trophy, but. You no, know, yeah, they, I agree with Drew. Jim Montgomery is going to win it. No, Jim Montgomery is going to win. There's no question. He's, he was going to win like up two months ago, for God's yeah. sakes. But, but uh, no, I mean, look, this uh, it's a remarkable run that John Hines has, has done with his team. And again, it's a testament to what happens when you trust what you have in the system, right? And the and the Nashville didn't have a choice because as Ezzy has already very clearly illustrated, they've had so many injuries they had to trust these guys and give them that opportunity. But Look, they've run with it. And Cody Glass, uh, Philip Tomasino was a guy, a 2019 first rounder. He was a guy I thought the Jets could draft to give them some future center depth out of the OHL, You're I believe. taking four and, spots after Hainola. I know. And I remember when we were doing our show, I was talking, one of the guys I was focused on was Tomasino. And I thought that he'd be a good addition to the Winnipeg Jets. You know, and look what he's doing now. And look, it's easy to look back. I've seen, I've seen, I've made many a, a prediction that hasn't gone right. So it's easy to always point out the ones that you're like, oh, I like that guy. Go back and listen to our show. But the fact of the matter is that uh, there's a lot of that. there's a lot of young talent in in Nashville that's hungry, and we saw them play with Milwaukee and folks here in Manitoba who have been you know paying attention to the Moose, paying attention to the Jets. You saw this Milwaukee team 17 times last year, 12 in the regular, five in the playoffs, and again, you know it, the way it's shaping up with the playoffs, very easily could be a Moose, uh, pred- Moose uh, Milwaukee Admirals, Admirals fi- uh, first round. Which would be, and if the Nashville Predators don't make it, all of these guys who you know are up with Nashville and doing a lot of damage, they're going to be down with Milwaukee, including, and they'll have Yaroslav Askarov in the net. So uh, Milwaukee will not be an easy, an easy first round opponent opponent for the for the Manitoba Moose. Look, I, I say the comment a lot throughout the course of the regular season and the, throughout the course of the post game shows, and it's attention to detail. If the Jets maintain their attention to detail tonight, they win. If they lose, if their attention to detail is the same as you eating a box of Girl Guide cookies, then the Jets are going to win tonight's hockey game. It's that simple. You have more talent. You need to put forth the requisite effort, and with effort, of course, attention to detail requires effort, so they work hand in hand. And then you should win this game. But if you're sloppy, if you're if there's arrogance in your game, if you think you can do it by individual rather than by five man unit then the Nashville Predators can very easily win this game. It's incumbent on the Jets. You know what you're going to get from Nashville. It's incumbent on the Jets to match that and or better that to maintain a playoff position. We'll find out in a mere number of hours, less than eight hours from now, 
when the Jets and the Predators do battle. And of course, the Illegal Curve postgame show a little bit after the game, 8.45 or so, back here on our YouTube channel. You know there will be a lot to talk about. Craig Button, TSN's Director of Scouting. You know him from his between-periods analysis on Jets broadcast. He covers the team closely. He joins us up next. Much more to come. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on this Saturday morning. Rick Bonus speaking to the media in downtown Winnipeg. Craig Button set to join us here momentarily. Lots still to come on this Saturday morning edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Time will tell if it's the final Saturday edition when the Jets are still playing this year or if they will have a playoff run in them. We will bring that to you, of course, throughout the course of the day with our coverage on IllegalCurve.com and the postgame show back here on our YouTube channel. Rick Bonus uh, talking about Cole Perfetti. Uh, as we saw Perfetti hit the ice in a non-contact jersey, says uh, it's a couple weeks still before Cole Perfetti will be able to play. Quote, the key is to be playing in two weeks so we can use him. The Jets head coach uh, certainly correct about that. Uh, that would be probably, you know, give or take late in the first round of the playoffs or maybe closer to the second round if the Jets were to get that far. Of course, a big hill for them to climb before they're anywhere near that front. And it's a key game tonight between the Jets and the Predators, unlikely to be any lineup changes by the sounds of things. The 12 forwards of the 6D that played against the Flames on Wednesday will likely be in the lineup tonight for the Jets and the Predators, gentlemen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it would be very interesting, you know, if Cole Perfetti was able to come back later in a first-round series against Vegas or whoever it ends up being against. But, yeah, obviously not the best news, but, you know, also something else to play for. In addition to the fact that you're playing for a playoff spot, you know, you've got that Cole Perfetti, you know, a little bit extra motivation. So it's obviously nice to see him back on the ice, Dave, but, you know, good chance he's not going to play at all in the first round. Yeah, unfortunately for, for the Jets, you know, the uh, the expectation is that he won't. And, you know, that's, that's, that's unfortunate news because, you know, look what has happened since he's been on the lineup. He's been a, you know, I know folks, uh, don't put too much stock in it, but he has been quite a significant driver for this Jets team, and and a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a nice a nice piece of the puzzle, if you will, because the Jets have uh, fallen fallen since Cole Perfetti, but also not just Cole Perfetti, of course. It's been since a lot of their guys got healthy again, and then suddenly the lineup took a bit of a tank, which again, you know, lets you know that you you don't need to have upper echelon talent necessarily to win games in the NHL. You just have to have, as Drew says, an attention to detail and a commitment to playing a team game. And that, to me, is what, again, we, we've seen too many rogue oper guys playing rogue, guys not being where they need to be. And that's what I was saying in the previous segment is 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 what Winnipeg needs to get back to. And I know it's, look, it's hard, right? What's the expression? It's hard to keep, teach an old, an old dog new tricks. And these guys become rigid. They do. They, this is what works for me. This is what I've done my whole career. So it's hard mm -hmm. for this person to be like, oh, you want me to adjust? And yeah, they had success maybe despite themselves uh, early in the season, maybe because Connor Hellebuck was playing out of his mind. But when Connor Hellebuck plays just like a really good goaltender, not an exceptional goaltender, while somehow sometimes those blunders now are coming back and burning you and ending up in the back of your net. So, you know, it, it is a, it is an issue for this Jets club. And I, look, I, I agree with the, with the folks in the chat. It is going to be a tall task for this team to turn it around the next, you know, week or so, given the, the enormity of the last few months and, and it, the way they've progressed. But 
like I said, we'll see what happens. And and the playoffs are an important animal, both from a financial perspective and from an experience perspective. So we'll see what happens with this. And then, and as he said it, and he's not wrong. You know, I, I posted a picture of the whiteout. Folks just want that back. Folks in Winnipeg just want something to celebrate. And that's why I think if they get that opportunity with the Jets, you know, in, in the playoffs, just give it to them because they deserve it. Folks in Winnipeg deserve that just to be able to enjoy, even if it's just one round, to enjoy something. Well, here's something that they can they can enjoy celebrating, and that's the appearance of Craig Button here this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Our good friend, TSN's director of scouting, spends a lot of time covering the Jets as well. We may have just lost Craig at the same time, unless he can hear us. Craig, can you hear us? I can hear you. Sorry okay, about that. Trying... That's okay. We'll let, we'll let you get the video there back up. But, uh, okay, as long as we can hear you, that's the important part. There's the part. video. There, there we, we go. are. The video. I want to see your handsome face there. How are you, Craig? Yeah, listen, I'm looking at this face too, and you're lying because I know it's not handsome, but that's okay. <laughs> no, that's well, not true. You're with a rogues gallery. So among the rogues gallery, it might be it might be handsome. How about that? Okay, I'll take it. There you go. Craig, obviously a huge matchup tonight between the Jets and the Predators. Yeah, I know. Breaking news here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show with that analysis. You know, you, you watch the Jets a ton as well as we do. You, you know, we know you from your in-between period analysis on the Jets broadcasts and, of course, all the other uh, video hits you do about the Jets. When you've been watching this team as of late, you know, what are you seeing as the reason for their catastrophic slide to this point? Because it wasn't that long ago that they were at the forefront of the best Western Conference teams. Well, so we're looking at 54, 21, and 3. So the first 54 games amongst the best in the West, and, and not mm -hmm. by accident. Everything that you need to be a good team, they demonstrated. You know, really good team defense. You know, not giving up a lot defensively. Taking some of the pressure off of Vezina Trophy form, Connor Hellebuck. And we know how good he is, you know, and take a little bit of the pressure off. Scoring from their top players. And they went through that 21-game stretch. And even two of those games – the two in Florida, Tampa Bay and, and, and the Panthers. Mm -hmm. I mean, if Connor Hellebuck doesn't stand on his head, they don't win those games. So they got two wins in there that were on the back, on, on the shoulders of, of Connor Hellebuck, which is significant. Like, think where they are with, with two less wins now. Now they're in full chase mode. So mm -hmm. they got away from a couple of things, I thought. Team defense. Their team defense really suffered in that 21 games. And, you know, you go through four games, five games, you go, okay, there's a little bit of a struggle, and you kind of make it – I don't know if you make excuses, but you rationalize it, hey, it's just that. And then it gets to seven and 10 and 13 and 15. And 21 games is a quarter of the season. And the first 54 games were not accidental, their success. And their 21 games was not accidental, falling short. Team defense was terrible. And, and you know, the forward group, and, and the and the offensive players were awful <laughs> defensively. And like everybody can talk about, oh yeah, we charged the press, you know, in terms of offensively not scoring, not, you know, not doing, uh, you know, the things. And and so you suffer. There's no need to suffer defensively when you're not scoring. That that's on the players. And you know, and, and like it was really clear. I mean, 55, 81, and 26 were were, were like so below their capabilities. And, and that really hurt them. And then Josh Morrissey got hurt, and he was far below his capabilities. When you have four players that are that good, that are that talented, that are playing so far below their abilities, good luck. 
Good luck. <laughs> Good luck winning games. You know, and I, I mentioned two of those wins were on the back of Connor Hellebuck. But then they get back and they have a great game against Detroit. They have a great game against New Jersey. And you're going, that's the team we saw for the first 54 games. Uh, you know, how many times do we hear Rick Bonus talk about play to our strengths, play to our identity? And, and those are the things you can do all the time. Those are winning hockey team's habits. And I don't buy into any of this garbage, and, and I'll be straightforward with you. When I hear offensive players say, well, you know, I'm squeezing the stick. Okay, fine. I understand you're not scoring. I understand that you might be struggling. That's no reason not to dial in defensively. That's no reason not to dial in on the details in critical areas of the game. And they didn't do that. And then, and then you know, Mark Shifley said, oh, my pro his process was terrible for 10 games. It wasn't even close to where he where his talents led. So I thought they played a pretty good game on Wednesday versus Calgary. I did. I thought Jacob Markstrom in the first two periods was really, really good. And if it's not from Jacob Markstrom, the Flames' faint hopes are 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 over hopes. And they're going to face a darn good goaltender in UC Soros uh, on Saturday night. And and, and the, the the National Predators are playing with all house money, all house money. You know, if there was ever a game where you go, all the pressure is on the home team, all the pressure is on the Winnipeg Jets. They opened the door for the Nashville Predators losing to Calgary on Wednesday, gave the Flames a little bit of faint hope. They lose tonight. Now they're in full chase mode again. And so get, like, find a way, five on five. They, they had good chances against Marshall. If they play like they did first 54 games last weekend, Friday and Saturday, Detroit, they'll have a chance to win and, and not, a, not a, not a chance, a really good chance to win. If they get away from that, who knows? Maybe they got to rely on Connor Hellebuck again to steal a win because we know how good he is and how capable he is. And, you know, you look at fall offs and performance. I don't think there's been any with Connor Hellebuck. Craig, you mentioned team defense and being dialed in defensively. I wanted to ask you about Dylan Sandberg because, you know, it feels like not too long ago, we were talking to you about Sandberg at the 2017 draft in, in Chicago. And this is, of course, his first full season. But, you know, we've talked about him a lot this year and how just impressive he's been. And none of us are surprised because you know, he was good for the Moose last year. He had a great uh, collegiate career uh, as well. But for you, has that stood out to you in terms of, you know, even though the defense at times has been a bit of a mess, Josh Morrissey obviously leading the way, potential Norris Trophy finalist, but you know, to me, Dylan Sandberg has uh, just really established himself on, on the left side for the Jets. Yeah, he has. And, 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 and you think about Dylan coming into the, coming into the league full-time, let's call it full-time now. You know, you got Josh, who's playing, who's played so well, had a really good season. You know, and you also have Brendan Dillon. So, you know, for Rick Bonus, you know, he, he, he can put Sandberg into spots that he can handle and that don't overwhelm him. And allow him to keep growing in his game. You know, we've seen times where you know Dylan's Dylan Sandberg, that is, has found his way uh, to just healthy scratch, just go watch and everything. And I think it helped him helped him a little bit when when Logan Stanley got hurt, because now he was just in the lineup. He was going to play. They were going to leave him in the lineup. And so I think all in all, when you look at, at Dylan's rookie season, I, I think it's been a really really good solid rookie season, something to build on. And and he also gives them something that you know i think is really beneficial he, he he's got that size he's got that reach he closes space you know he makes it hard on opponents you know to get inside and i i, I think he's been a a really what, what i would call really good solid first year defenseman 
for, for the Winnipeg Jets. And I, he's only going to build on that. I mean, if you go back and look at Dylan's resume, all it is is dotted with championship, 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 championship. You, you talk about winning, he's a winner. And everything he thinks about is what he's got to do to help the team win. And I, I, I think he's, he's, a, he's just a real, real solid – a player that if you're looking to bolster and strengthen your blue line, you want players like Dylan Sandberg on it. You know, Craig, you talk about what it takes to win, and we know that you need exceptional goaltending, which the Jets have. You also need center depth, which the Jets have – is something we talked about, right? This is an exceptional center depth. Dubois, Shifley, Lowry, insert – fourth line center here, whether it's Kevin Stenland, David Gustafson, but, but the Jets have made a move obviously, and they've moved Mark Shifley to the wing. What has your assessment been now that Mark Shifley's played a few games on the wing alongside Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor? Well, I think that moving Mark over to the wing was, was twofold for Rick bonus. I think number one was, you know, uh, Getting get, getting him away from hurting the team defensively. He, he was he was hurting the team defensively at the center ice position, and you know that was on Mark. And then at the same time, you know Rick is trying to put him in a position where he 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 can kind of find a way maybe to to get that offense going again. You know you're you're playing on the wing. You you, you know you can post up a little bit more. You can find that those open spots in the offensive zone. And, and Pierre Luc is, is is a real force to me. He's a force, and I think that Mark now can you know he doesn't have to uh, you know hunt back defensively. He doesn't have to worry about distributing the puck. He can get focused in on getting the puck. And and so I think when Rick put him over on the wing, it, it was a twofold, and and they were intertwined. The poor defensive play by Mark and and the struggles offensively. So what we've seen now is Mark has. You know, he's, he, he's found his footing offensively, which is a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets and certainly for Mark Shifley. And I think, too, you know, hey, with Nemestikov sliding in now and giving them really good center play, really good solid center play, now, you know, you, you, you can leave him over there, see where it goes, and, and, and keep proceeding along this path. You know, I think for Rick Bonus, to, to, when he made that move last week, it was like one of those ones where, okay, what does this mean? Is this punishment? And I don't, I don't think Rick is in the is in the habit or philosophy is what a punishing. I think it's about like saying, okay, what's best for the team? And like I said, the the the, the inter the intertwining of the of the of the defensive struggles by Mark and the offensive struggles were, were impacting the team. And so I think he just looked at it and trying to make an adjustment to help the team. And I think that we've seen that adjustment do exactly that. That's what good coaching does. You know, it doesn't, you know, you, you, you know we all, I, I don't think anybody, Mark included, is going to say that like his defensive game was good. Uh, the numbers tell you that the offensive game was struggling. But I think that Rick comes out and he, he just says, hey, here's what we got to do. Here's what I'm going to try to do. We heard his press conference. I told Mark if he's not feeling comfortable there, just tap me. I mean, that is that, that is really good, smart, experienced coaching speaking. When he's, you know, he's not just saying, hey, you know what, Mark's got to be better. We're going to help him. If it's not working, here's what we're trying to do. And, you know, it's just another example of, of, of Rick's, what I would call fine, fine touch with, uh, with people. A TSN hockey analyst and scout Craig Button is our guest on this Saturday morning edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, the Illegal Curve post-game show later tonight, 8.45 p.m. after the Jets and the Predators. Craig, you mentioned, obviously, Rick Bonus, and he's got that very delicate uh, touch when it comes to being behind the bench and the way he handles players. Going back to last season, 
you know, we, we had you on and you were of the opinion, and I, I'm not quoting you, but paraphrasing that a coaching change would make a big difference for this team. And it clearly did for the first, you know, 51 games or whatever number you were saying before, where the team was flying high and succeeding and everything Rick Bonus was doing was, was turning to gold. Now the tailspin has happened. And regardless of if this team makes the playoffs or not, where does the Jets as currently constructed go moving forward? Yeah, it's, it, you know, when I think Kevin Shovel Day off, you know, put a stake in the ground when he said, I, I believe in the group of players. And, you know, he, he, he definitely did. I mean, he could have made moves in, in, in the off season with players. And he chose to say, hey, listen, I, you know, we need a different coach in there. I mean, the dance with Barry Trotz was, was ongoing. Mm-hmm. But Rick Bonus, when you look at what he did in Dallas, I mean, I think that he was exactly the type of coach that the Winnipeg Jets needed. You know, they needed to improve their defensive play. They needed to have a, a better system of defensive play. And they have. They have. Their defensive play has improved tremendously this year. And that's coaching. That's systems of team play. And so I think Rick has done a good job. You know, I, I think when you go through the stretch that the Winnipeg Jets go through, and, and so let me just quickly say about Kevin. So mm-hmm. Kevin is now going, geez, okay, I'm feeling good, 54 games. I'm feeling really good about how my team is playing. But, you, you know, it's hard. It's it, the, hard, the most difficult time to believe in people is when things aren't going well. And Kevin did exactly that. And so now he's seen, okay, this is, and now he hit this tailspin, right? And Kevin's not a rash person. He's a very rational person. He's a very calm person. But he, 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 he understands, you know, having the, the courage of your convictions, whether it be supporting a group, and I think if, if this team misses the playoffs, and, and I'll say miss the playoffs, because I think if they make the playoffs, they're going to be a handful for whoever they play in the first round. Like that, It's no prize to play the Winnipeg Jets with Connor Hellebuyck and the net, the blue line, and the depth they have up front. And finding their game right now, if, if that is what if the signs we're seeing are there, th- that'll be a real test for whoever plays them. I and certainly not uh, a series that the Winnipeg Jets uh, are, are, are incapable of winning. So that being said, but you evaluate. Like if they miss the playoffs, I think Kevin's going to have to go back and say, does the does the player personnel have to change in some ways, shapes, or forms? I, I don't think there's any other way to do it. You have to look at that. You can't keep repeating, you, you, you know, a belief and a belief and a belief and not get results. You can't. As much as you'd like to, as much as Kevin can say that I believe in these players, sometimes change becomes necessary. And I would absolutely, Drew, say that, if that if they miss the playoffs, change has to happen. Has to happen. Not well. I don't know if it will. For me, it has to. Like you, <laughs> you, you can't look at the group and not and not have changed. Isn't that sort of part of the problem a little bit, or the little bit of the disconnect? You're saying it has to happen, but then at the same the same breath, we're saying we're not sure it will happen. It seems like there's still. I mean, the fan base, which of course is passionate and knowledgeable feels as though the, the this 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 roster has run its course but i'm not certain that the management fully believes that it just seems to be the disconnect continuing between uh in, you know what the results and the and the attitude it, it's a bit of a bizarre scenario from my perspective yeah and drew i'll give you an example and i i could go back to to the washington capitals in 2014 when they hired barry trotz and sure. you know they'd had their disappointments and then Barry comes in, coach of the year, president's trophy, they, they, they get knocked out of the playoffs, president's trophy, they get knocked, and the Penguins win those. And then they, in 18, they come back and win the cup, right? I could use that example. 
The example I like to go back to is uh, when Scotty Bowman came into the Detroit Red Wings. They were a very talented, gifted team. They couldn't find their way <laughs> to success. <laughs> and they had lots, you go back and look at those teams, they had lots of good offensive players. And then th th they made changes. They said, wait a second, we, we, we need some different. Marty LaPointe came in, and then they had Kirk Maltby and Chris Draper and Darren McCarty and, and you know, they, 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 and Thomas Holmstrom. They brought in a, a, like a, a different group of players that, that, were, that Scotty was looking to, to impact the game in different ways, not just offensively. And so, you know, I could use both those, the Washington Capitals 2014, 15, 60, all the way through, the Detroit Red Wings, and then they became. You have to look at what – Okay, is there a different – there's not one way to do things. It would be easy to just say this is the one way, plug it in, plug it in, plug it in, there we go. There's a lot of different ways to be successful. But you have to look at what changes can lead to success, you know, when you haven't had success with a group. And to keep coming back with the same group, thinking that you're going to have success, mm -hmm. I think that that becomes harder and harder to do when you haven't said – now they get to the playoffs, they win a round, you know, they, they're competitive in a second round or even win a second round. Okay, you can change things a little bit. Like, like you know, where the Washington Capitals had to go through it, right? But if they don't make the playoffs, like, I, I don't, I, I, for me, looking from the outside in, I, I don't see how changes, like, and I, I'm not talking about fiddling with the dials either. I'm talking yeah. significant changes. Significant You're talking about getting changes. a new CD player, Craig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? It's like it, 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 it's like uh, it's it's like those parts of your house that you can look at renovating, or you can look at just knocking down, right? Like you know, and just saying, hey, you know what? We're gonna we we, we need to we, we need to get rid of that. And and I don't want to make player get rid of players. That's not what I'm trying to say. But it just it, it has to change. And I, I don't I, think I, many I, Jets I, fans are going to disagree with you, Craig, at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, you talk about it's a great fan base. It's a knowledgeable fan base, and they care. They care. They care. And 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 so again, it was like like I was living in Michigan when when the Red Wings were going through this, and it was it was it was it was exactly the same. It was exactly the same. And you know, then you know, talk about this guy or that guy, and it, it wasn't so much that the players that left, you know, were, were not good players, but within the group, things had to change. And I think that's where the Jets find themselves with a, with a lack of success this, this year. And, and that lack of success could, could, could mean a number of different things. Missing the playoffs, absolutely. Maybe not having success if they do make the playoffs. You know, way closer to absolutely than not. And, you know, maybe a pause for what exactly needs to change if you can't go further. Because, you know, you don't want to be on the cusp of this situation year in, year out. And I think that's where... You, you know, having the having the confidence to make those moves is saying like, yeah, might be a little bit risky, but it'll be riskier to stay the same course. Absolutely. And, and obviously, Craig, we're focused on tonight's Jets Predators game. But, you know, we have to ask you uh, about what's happening, you know, here in Winnipeg with the ice uh, and obviously the 2023 NHL draft coming up. I mean, if you can somehow, you know, get. Connor Bedard into this conversation because I mean you average two and a half points during the regular season. So what does he do to top himself? He has 15 points, averaging three points a game in five playoff games for Regina. We should mention game six against Saskatoon. It's tonight. Obviously, the ice have already punched their ticket to the second round by sweeping Medicine Hat. But we wanted to ask you about Zach Benson because you know, we know we follow him. He's got nine had 98 points during the regular season. And you know, he's obviously a guy that you know is high up on, on Craigslist, but 
just wanted to, for those, you know, maybe who haven't been following the ice and watching this, you know, just how would you assess Benson and, and how high could he go? Because obviously we know who's going to go number one and who's mostly likely going to go number two. But I think you'd agree that most likely Benson's going to be a top 10 pick. Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. I, I love Zach. And, and, you know, Zach's hurt right now. So he would, he didn't play in the, in the first round series that, that, that they swept versus Medicine Hat. And, you know, to, to, to me, Zach has a game that's very similar to Patrick Kane. You know, he's got that creativity. He's got that imagination. He, he's elusive. He's evasive. And, and he, you know, the thing about Zach, like Patrick, they're confident. They're like, when they play the game, it's like, stop me if you can. Try. Like, you know, and, you know, it's just the way they go about their business. And, and you know that teams are looking at Zach Benson just like they looked at Patrick Kane. Ah, we're going to take this little guy. We're going we're gonna to run him through the boards. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. You're not, you're not doing it. And to me, Zach is he, – he's always two and three steps ahead. And one of the things, you know, there's lots of good smaller players. And there's always been good smaller players that have found a way to the NHL. Braden points on the cusp of getting 50 goals. You know, played in Moose Jaw, another player like that. You know, Kucherov isn't the biggest of players, Mitch Marner. So one of the things that I always look for in young players is do they get caught up playing a game outside of their strengths? And by that, does Zach get, like, he's quick with his hands, he's quick feet, quick mind. Is he getting caught in unnecessary physical battles because he's not using those strengths and those strengths get taken away from him? And I don't see that with Zach. Zach plays the game to his strengths. And so he gets in on a bigger defenseman, and he's quick under the stick, got the puck, and he's gone. And that defenseman, what just happened there? That's how Patrick Kane plays. That's how Mitch Marner. And if you're going to play in the NHL successfully as, as, as somebody that's, you know, maybe a little bit smaller, a little bit more diminutive, you better have those qualities. Zach has them. And to me, I have no doubt in my mind he's going to be a terrific, terrific NHL player. And Keep in mind, when the skill level goes higher, I think that Zach's abilities just go higher as well. You know, Craig, we talk about reliance on young players, and you're talking about guys who are getting drafted, but what about those guys who are already drafted and having trust in your system? And we're seeing it here with the Nashville Predators, so it's a good case in point with the, you know, Yakov Trenins, the Cody Glasses, the uh, Tommy Novak. So a lot of guys who played on the Admirals and folks here in Manitoba. Well, Tomasino, Dave. Yeah, Phil Tomasino. So there's a lot of folks here in Manitoba who, you know, watched the Milwaukee Admirals, you know, 17 times last year go up against the Moose, 12 in the regular season, five in the playoffs. But isn't that a testament to sometimes that something maybe the Jets need to do a little bit more of, I think, is trust what they have in the system because they have a lot of good players. And, they, you know, they got Billy Hinole, they got Declan Chisholm, they've got Leon Gavanke, a lot of guys who maybe haven't gotten that test up with the big club. And they've got a lot of guys who are hungry for that opportunity, right? So we're seeing it with Nashville and that trust. And, and you've got to give John Hines a lot of credit for what he's done with this group. And the group's got that buy-in. But I think that there is a kind of a, a, a lesson for to be learned from a Jets, a team that focuses so much on draft and development. Well, I, I think the Jets have done a terrific job. And mm -hmm. I, I think if you look, Connor Hellebuck is a, is, a, is a drafted and developed player. I mean, Josh Morrissey, we talked about Dylan Sandberg, right? You know, you, 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 you go up, up front, you go to Kyle Connor, you go to Nikolai Ehlers, you go to Adam Lowry. I mean, I mean Mason Appleton, who was, who was there and then left and then came back. I mean, there, there's lots of examples of that in, 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 in Winnipeg. And, you know, even 
and, and when you draft well, sometimes you, it, it's not just about drafting and developing. I, I think, Dave, you might be talking about how do you make room for them? Mm-hmm. And players do want that opportunity. They want to give me a chance. Give me a chance. I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. Like, Billy Hainola right now is, it believes he can play in the National Hockey League. Yep. There's no question. And, and he wants a chance. Now, maybe it can't come in Winnipeg. So now you have to, you have to move along. And so I think that you, you – there used to be a time when you could hoard your players. You can't mm-hmm. do that anymore. And, and what ends up happening is, is your players start to feel, oh, I'm not going to get an opportunity here. And, and so you have to, you have to recognize – Bob Gady, when, when we worked together in Dallas, he, he, always, he used to talk about this. He used this term. He said, sometimes uh, our, the path of the player and the path of the team doesn't intersect at, 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 at the right time. So you've got to recognize, like, okay, that opportunity is going to happen. I, I remember a few years back, we were trying to sign – we went to sign – we talked about Mike Johnson, who signed with the – he was at Bowling Green – and Stephen Reinprecht, who was at Wisconsin. And we talked to both of them. We knew they were good players. We talked to both of them. And, and they were great. And they both told us this. They go, we look at your roster. We have no chance to break into your roster. <laughs> and it's full free agents, like the smart guys and everything. And they, they, they went elsewhere. And we totally recognize that, right? And I think that that happens too. Look at Jonathan Kovacevic. Yeah. You know, he, 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 he waivers, Montreal, he's been a good player for the Montreal Canadiens this year. Mm-hmm. And so that opportunity may not have come in Winnipeg, you know, when you, when you, when you look at the right side defense with Nate Schmidt and Neil Pionk and, uh, and uh, Dylan DeMello. So now he goes somewhere else. And, he, and so I think that for Kevin Shoveldale and the management, it's you're, you're, you're managing two things. Players need to know that, that they're going to have opportunity. And if they don't have opportunity, okay, are you going to, are you going to allow me to move somewhere else? Because you have to, those two things have to work together. And I think it's, it's imperative. You know, even this year, when I think about Chaz Lucius and I think about Brad Lambert, who have Mm -hmm. both gone back to junior, like, I mean, I like they're they're going to hit a spot now in the coming years where they're going to be counted upon, you know, Rutger McGrory. I I was happy to see Rutger McGrory say, I'm going back to Michigan. He, he's not ready for pro hockey. He's a 19-year-old kid. He, he's probably going to be the captain next year at Michigan. That's, that's what a great leader Rutger is. And it's going to give him a chance to go back and be even more of a top-notch player and dominate. Because if you're not ready to come to the NHL or pro hockey, it will chew you up and spit you out like nothing. So I think that, you know, Dave, a little bit long-winded here but on, on your question, on my answer, but just kind of – opportunity players want opportunity and if it's not there then give me an opportunity somewhere else and that's where the team in this case Winnipeg has to look okay we can move this player and we can strengthen our team here that's moving pieces around the board I call it Craig Button is with TSN he's an analyst he's a scout for our friends there and of course he's a very good friend of us here at Illegal Curve Craig, always appreciate your time. Always appreciate your insight. 16 games, all 32 teams in action tonight in the NHL for the first time ever. So you know it's going to be a fun day. In addition to, of course, some Masters coverage going on in the background, I'm pretty sure. There's only (laughs) one place that I'm focusing in, and that's on the Winnipeg National game. Because that's the game. I know Pittsburgh's playing and Florida's playing and the New York Islanders are playing. But, but this, is a, this is a huge game. This is a mm-hmm. huge game on Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, I don't know if it gets much bigger than that, you know, with less than a week left in the regular season. So, yeah, there'll be some distractions before then. 
But once that game starts, there will be no distraction. Don't worry, Craig. We won't tell Fred Couples. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, yeah. thank you for well, this. The final round might only be Monday, so we might all have a chance to. That's right. <laughs> we have time to. We can. We can build up to Monday. We appreciate your time this morning, Craig. Thanks so much for joining us. Be well. Thanks, Craig. We'll do it Thanks. again soon. There he goes, Craig Button, joining Thanks, us Craig. this morning on the illegal. That's your guy, Fred. Show. He's the same age as you, Drew. Fred Couples the same age as me. Fred Couples is a machine when it comes to making the cut at the Masters. And Tiger did sneak in. Three over is oh, the he cut did. line. Okay. And uh, I thought that when he bogeyed 17 and 18, he, was gonna, he wasn't going to end up making the cut. But the cut moved back one line. So, uh, and Kepka is still leading, right? Uh, Kepka is still leading. John Rahm hot on his heels as well. What are you uh, talking so about? We're talking about golf. I know it's hard for you to understand that. but Are we uh, at KP right now? Like, come on. Yeah, no, we're not. It, it actually goes. The, the the dream courses are Master or Augusta National, and then KP. That's how it works. Uh, Makes in sense. Golf rankings checks yeah. out exactly. And then Granite Hills. And then yeah, sure, we'll throw Granite Hills in there as well. Why the hell not? Uh, reminder: the Illegal Curve post game show later on tonight after the Jets and the Nashville Predators, eight forty five p.m. Central Time back here. Oh, you know there's going to be a lot to discuss, so be sure to put that in your calendar to. Join Join us back here later tonight to discuss if the Jets affirm themselves in a playoff spot or if they completely do fall out. I suppose it could be a three-point game where the Jets both lose and stay in a playoff spot. So that's also a, an option for tonight as well. Whatever it is, we'll be back here later on tonight to discuss it. I want to say a big thank you to all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who made the Saturday show, the post-game show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zappia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's Rollies Transfer, Grid Park, and The Keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Big thanks to all of you for joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I'm sure you're going to join us again later tonight for the post-game show. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, leave us feedback on YouTube, on iTunes, wherever you download the podcast. We want you to rate us, review us, and leave us some comments about what you like and don't like about this fine program. Happy holidays to whoever, to, to everyone for whatever you're celebrating this weekend. For Dave Manuk, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. We'll see you later tonight at 845. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining us. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.